Welcome back to the Global Connected Aircraft Podcast. I'm your host, Woodrow Bellamy III, and today's episode is part three of a four-part podcast series we are doing looking at the impact of the global coronavirus outbreak on different segments of the aviation industry. On today's episode, we are focusing on solutions that can help operators work through this COVID-19 coronavirus pandemic. One of the things you will notice in the discussions featured on this episode is that the, at this current time, the industry is still trying to figure out what those solutions will be, uh, but you will hear some very unique perspectives about the challenges that people are seeing right now and uh, what's going to help them get to the other side of this current situation. I interviewed three different people on this episode, all with unique perspectives and different roles within the industry, including the CEO and founder of Zero Avia and the chief pilot and flight department manager for Southern Multifoods, Inc. But first, I'll be talking to Nicole Nowak, who is the managing director for the Independent Aircraft Modifier Alliance, or IAMA, which is an international alliance of aircraft modification companies, including Envoy Aerospace, Etihad Airways Engineering, and Lufthansa Technique, among others. Nicole provides us with some perspective on how the coronavirus outbreak has impacted aircraft modification work and how their organization has created a virtual think tank to help airlines maintain the airworthiness of their aircraft and still prepare to meet upcoming civil aviation authority mandates. So let's get into our conversation with Nicole. Nicole, thanks for joining us today. Uh, could you give our audience a little bit of introduction to your name, to your job title and role with IAMA, as well as you know what IAMA does as an organization? Of course. So first of all, thank you for having me on that podcast. I'm uh, honored to be here and uh, in those specific times to uh, give a little bit of a background and introduction uh, to myself and to IAMA. So my name is Nicole Nowak. I'm the Managing Director of Independent Aircraft Modifier Alliance. So that is what IAMA stands for. Um, We are an alliance of companies within the aviation aftermarket uh, who jointly advocate for trustworthy independent modification solutions by FTC, so by supplemental type certificates. That is where we originally come from. Uh, the alliance itself has four founding members uh, who found together last year, actually in 2019, where we started IMR as an initiative. The founders all of Tonsa Technic, ADHD Airways Engineering, Eclipse Technics, and Envoy Aerospace. Uh, those four um, decided to set up that alliance and as a non-profit association. And uh, we recently filed for registration. That was in, in January, in, end of January 2020. So we are pretty young. We have now nine members. So um, um, together with the four founders, uh, we are nine. We have an OEM amongst us uh, with Fokker services. Uh, we have um, Euro Composites. We have call all interconnect technologies, the Angelus Group, Certify Nation, and um, also already a basic member Frequencia from the UK. So we are pretty international. So my personal role is to take care of the daily business and as the managing director also to define strategy together with our executive board. Yeah, and at the end make the objectives and the goals of IMR happen. 
Yes, it, independent aircraft modifier alliance has been. It's been interesting to watch you all. You know, you launched uh, a year ago, I believe it was at uh, AIX, and uh, you know now you've kind of expanded, a, 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 you know, a great deal internationally. Um, and where are you based out of, Nicole? Yeah, so uh, we based the association itself in Hamburg, Germany. So that's uh, more kind of a funny um, um, here. So because we have four founding members from across the world, and uh, we had to find uh, a location and a legal system where all could uh, rely on and which all could approve, and that was Germany. And within Germany, if you look down to the uh, potential cities to go for in aviation, Hamburg certainly is um, the largest one. Hamburg also has a pretty large uh, aviation sector and with Hamburg Aviation also in local associations uh, within the region. And that is why we placed ourselves here in Hamburg, Germany. Uh, working is actually also mainly remotely. So our alliance management, uh, which is done um, with Calvin Consulting, they are based in Brussels. We have our alliance manager, Anne-Louise von Doig, based in Abu Dhabi. So we are pretty much used to uh, virtual working together. And you mentioned, you know, you, you are handling sort of the day-to-day uh, -day task for uh, Independent Aircraft Modifiers Alliance. Now, what has been the biggest overall impact to um, IAMA members as an organization, you know, has, obviously has it kind of impact aircraft modifications kind of have stopped altogether. Um, you know, the, the social distancing policies that we're all uh, seeing kind of across the world here. Uh, how has that all impacted your sort of day to day work as an organization and your member companies as well? So actually, as for everyone in aviation, it has hit us very, very heavily, and also in the very early stage of the association itself. So we had our association registration filed uh, in late January, and we had our first general assembly where all the members come together who kind of own the alliance uh, for end of March. Uh, so, and obviously uh, within those two months, uh, a lot of things changed. Not necessarily regarding our overall objectives. They are mainly in praise. Uh, but on the day-to-day -day business, we currently, of course, also focus uh, on measures which we can take for our members and for the airlines industry, for the uh, lessors, uh, to help to overcome and emerge out of the situation here together. So all of our members are directly and heavily affected, right? So we have members with airlines in the background, like uh, Lufthansa Technik and Adiat Airways Engineering. They're uh, the company's group are heavily hit by, um, uh, by, by the storage of the aircraft, so by having them out of service at the moment and not flying. And all our other members actually are, are um, in aftermarket modifications. And of course we see that the airlines need to preserve uh, their cash flow at the moment so that non-mandatory modifications are, are not yet even discussed. So we see a little raise in uh, mandatory modifications so that some airlines uh, seem to use the downtime uh, to now accelerate for, uh, like example, the ADSB uh, modification where the mandate um, deadline comes now. But in fact, every one of our members uh, is, of course, also looking 
uh, internally how they can um, can survive and can handle this crisis. And within IAMR, uh, we uh, bring them together in a platform uh, to discuss that jointly amongst the members and also uh, amongst airlines and lessors. So um, I would say that the, the short-term goals changed completely, while the long-term goals of IAMR remain in place. And uh, when it comes to virtual working and to working together and to travel restrictions, well, all our members, of course, are hit by that. So if you had an STC layover or a layover in place, and now you can't travel to the, to the site, to the MRO site, that might affect STC layovers, which were already started. Um, and also for IAMR itself, we usually meet um, twice a year in our working groups personally. We would have had our general assembly personally in Hamburg in conjunction with the AIX. That all was canceled actually uh, and replaced by virtual meetings. And um, the good thing here is, and um, I think that is something we might not have even expected, we did a two-day workshop purely online and we did our very first general assembly purely online and uh, our members showed the commitment in the workshop as well as in the general assembly and uh, we were pretty impressed how much you can achieve actually online. So that is what um, our um, experience is in here. It's interesting to learn how, you know, you all, everybody in the industry has gone to sort of virtual uh, communication and webinars and events to sort of keep information flows going. Uh, now, I understand that uh, your alliance has introduced a virtual think tank program. And that's interesting to learn about because on this episode, we want to focus on what solutions can help, uh, you know, not only airlines, but kind of the overall industry get through this uh you know fluid period we're in right now where we, we don't know what's next uh and get to the other side and what solutions can help once you know we get back to some sense of normalcy how does the virtual think tank program work and, and why did you all kind of introduce that uh amid this outbreak so the the IMA virtual think tank is simply a series of short web-based meetings. So uh, where we discuss technical needs and also concerns uh, of airlines and lessors with relevant providers out of our IAMR network and also non-IAMR members. So we introduced that because in the core DNA of IAMR is actually the idea of partnership and the idea of overcoming challenges together. So that was the very first idea of IAMA when we talk about uh, trustworthy FTC. So uh, in, we just expanded that idea uh, to the current um, COVID-19 crisis because we think what we first need to do is actually talking to our stakeholders and trying to understand what their needs and demands and concerns are at the moment. And so we expanded that kind of thinking and that mindset um, of partnerships and overcoming challenges together, um, even more um, towards uh, services like um, passenger crew health systems, which not necessarily are related to STC. 
and also figured out that some of our members, as well as partners, non-members, are very experienced also in customized storage and parking, reposition on aircraft, and that is what we bring together in the IVTT. So we have there participants from the leasing side, from the airline side, and from the supplier side, and every two weeks we discuss the current concerns and we find answers within our network. Because at the moment we think it's not a time to compete actually, it's a time to really overcome the challenges together um, and to figure out what is really needed. And at the moment we see that this is more a short-term discussion because no one really can predict when do we come back into service? When do travel restrictions will end? Um, in Europe, in the US, in Asia, uh, in how will uh, actually the passenger amount increase again? How long will it all take? So that is why we set it up as a uh, virtual think tank, just coming together with all stakeholders. And we are actually open to invite every airline or lessor to join us here to place their concerns where then our members and non-members can work on solutions. And yeah, it was interesting. You mentioned that airlines can participate in this. And, you know, those are some of the primary customers who use uh, your members services to modify their aircraft for things like, for example, uh, antennas or modems, wireless access points to enable in-flight connectivity. What kind of concerns do you expect to get out of these virtual think tanks? Uh, and, and maybe have you already heard some related to aircraft modifications and STCs uh, during this time, during some of the uh, think tanks that you might have already done? We were discussing amongst um, the, the major concern, which is simply about storage parking, uh, repositioning aircraft uh, and individual recovery, which is not even STC related, what, which our members can also support, at least some of the members. Uh, we were also discussing modification aspects. So uh, certainly uh, the ones coming from the mandatory side, um, which are out there and which there is uh, actually also STC solutions. That is actually where the long-term goals of IMR fit in, where we provide the rule book uh, and to give a more reliable after-sales and modification project. So, but I won't say that is necessarily something crisis-related. If you look into the crisis time and into uh, what is now really needed from airlines and discuss there, you see at the moment uh, two main topics which we raised also during our think tanks. One is indeed uh, passenger and crew health systems uh, that comes from disinfection requirements, but also to onboard health and uh, crew health, passenger and crew health systems. How can airlines, when you go back into service, actually uh, assist there uh, to keep their passengers on board uh, healthy and to avoid the spread of any virus, uh, let it be covered uh, marine disease or something else. So we see that there is uh, in, in emerging interest in it. Um, and what we also see is um, the particular demand, uh, at least on short term, uh, to convert passenger aircraft safely and without actually affecting uh, cabin monuments or sidewalls, et cetera, but to convert them temporarily into freighter solutions so that you can use um, aircraft 
uh, we are usually meant uh, to transport uh, in the lower deck, the freight and then the upper deck, the passengers now use those actually for full freight, at least for a certain uh, period of time. Well, that is also something we discussed there and uh, where some of our members, but also non-members have solutions out. That is a very short-term view, actually. What we see is that um, with in relation to, let's say, non-mandatory and non-urgent modifications, so when it comes to passenger, um, passenger uh, experience, uh, that there is less discussed, uh, at least not urgently discussed at the moment. Exactly. And yeah, you mentioned something really interesting there about passenger health and, and you know, flight crew health. And that is that is sort of a almost like an opportunity out of this for companies that can supply that type of technology, right, that would just give you some type of knowledge that, you know, this person, uh, you know, this flight crew member, or this flight attendant, uh, does not have coronavirus or, or any type of transmittable disease. You don't have to worry getting in this cabin. Um, do you think that's something that will will be almost like an opportunity coming out of this on the other side? You're, I, I think that um, actually the, um, uh, how to say, uh, the attention raised on the topic is, of course, very, very high. And we see that, uh, for instance, uh, Adihad as an airline is at the moment um, having an, a set up with some uh, other company in a partnership uh, to check pre-boarding uh, some health measures of crew and passengers. So uh, I think that is something we might have to even get used to. Uh, you might know that uh, from the SARS times uh, when you travel to China, when there were automatic um, health uh, systems just checking temperature, etc. Uh, so that would, uh, might be something we will see more frequently uh, before boarding the aircraft. Uh, I also think that everything would avoid touching of any surface uh, is becoming uh, something more um, more seen on an aircraft, uh, as well as there's discussions like having private boom sets for pilots, uh, so to not reuse and disinfect, uh, because at the end, uh, the, the, special, uh, the specialty within the coronavirus is that you might have it and spread it and even doesn't even have any symptoms. So that makes it hard to predict and you need better disinfection methods on, uh, on board and um, on ground, obviously, as well. Right. Okay. Yeah, it's interesting to learn about, you know, just how organizations like yourself are providing these types of solutions, a think tank, just to share the information and, and understand what needs to be done to get through this and, you know, get back to some sense of normalcy. Um, any other thoughts, Nicole, on just moving forward, uh, you know, challenges for airline modifications? It's also interesting that there are still cargo flights going on, like you mentioned. So they those aircraft need to keep flying while others need to be repositioned and parked. Um, just any other thoughts you have on solutions that will be needed to get through this crisis and get to the other side? 
Well, I think in the end, I think at the moment, uh, the main goal of IAMR from our side is, is uh, indeed to help navigate and connect the right partners during the time. So uh, within every think tank, uh, there comes new and actual demands. So uh, what I would say at the moment, it's really hard to predict into the future when it comes to modification, what really comes next. That, that much depends on the regulatories from the um, certain authorities coming in there, uh, from how fast actually the, um, the the recovery phase is. So I see at the moment on the short term, uh, the main demands really coming from, uh, from in uh, storage, parking and repositioning, uh, and to really keep aircraft in, um, in airworthiness mode to fulfill mandates like ADS-B uh, and then see how the market develops and indeed go into uh, connectivity solutions again. So, but it's really uh, something we discuss at the moment by month, uh, by weekly. So, um, if it is really changing uh, depending on the uh, decisions uh, of the authorities and depending on the um, uh, how how the coronavirus actually increases or hopefully decreases soon. Uh, so nothing more from my side to really predict them there uh, as what I already said. Okay, and there you have it. She is the head of the Independent Aircraft Modifiers Alliance, Nicole Nowak. Thanks for joining us on the podcast today. It was my pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. And our next guest is the CEO and founder of Zero Avia, which is a California-based clean technology startup currently developing a hydrogen-powered electric powertrain as an alternative to both conventional aircraft engines and battery-based electric motors. What you'll learn from this discussion is how the coronavirus outbreak has impacted companies that are developing innovative future-facing aircraft technologies, as well as how the use of hydrogen-based powertrain could lower the cost of operating an aircraft in the future, which certainly could be of interest to operators whose revenues have been negatively impacted by the coronavirus travel restrictions. So let's get into our conversation with Zero Avia. Val, could you just give our audience some brief information about your name, job title, uh, what your role with Zero Avia is, and a little bit of background about Zero Avia as well? Thank you, Udira. Um, great to be here. Uh, my name is Val Miftikoff. I'm the uh, CEO and founder of uh, Zero Avia. Zero Avia is a California and UK-based company that uh, builds a new um, zero-emission powertrain for uh, initially regional aviation and then beyond. Um, we are basing uh, our technology on the uh, hydrogen electric uh, approach, which means that um, we store the energy in hydrogen as a fuel. Uh, and then use the fuel cell uh, technology to convert uh, hydrogen and oxygen from the atmosphere into electricity and uh, then turn uh, the electric motors that in turn um, uh, turn the propeller or a fan to propel the aircraft. Um, so we think that uh, this type of technology will be one of the pillars of the future sustainable aviation. It's a very interesting uh, concept you all are working on there. Um, how you know how far along have you gotten on that pr 
project and this concept overall? How, how far, you know, are you all flight testing or what's kind of the status of, of that technology? Yeah, I'm actually uh, pretty far uh, along. So the company was started about uh, two years ago. And uh, uh, my previous experience was in the sustainable uh, transportation industry already. Um, so my previous company uh, was a successful uh, smart uh, energy management uh, charging uh, company for the electric uh, cars, electric car industry, and um, it was acquired about two years ago. Um, and uh, then uh, the next thing that I wanted to do um, was uh, in the aviation space. I'm a pilot myself, uh, rotorcraft and fixed wing. Um, so it's a personal passion as well. Um, uh, and we started a company two years ago. We started testing uh, some of the uh, initial concepts um, right around that time. Uh, and then by the end of 2018, uh, we had the uh, ground uh, uh, version of our uh, powertrain um, uh, fully tested and ready to go into the aircraft. Um, in the first half of 2019, last year, uh, we did put it in the aircraft, uh, got the initial um, certification uh, as an experimental R&D vehicle from the FAA um, uh, here in our facility in California uh, and started flight testing program um, in the first half of 2019. Um, and then we uh, uh, have received uh, some significant support from the UK government uh, to um, also support uh, some of the R&D and demonstration in the UK. Um, we uh, have established the location there um, uh, at uh, Cranfield uh, University, which is one of the top uh, aerospace programs uh, in Europe. Um, and the university has its own airport where we are based. Um, we now have... Uh, uh, build our second prototype uh, that is located there. And we were going to uh, start flight testing of that prototype um, uh, right when the, uh, the, the lockdown happened, uh, both in the, uh, uh, in the UK and California. Um, so um, to answer your question uh, briefly, uh, basically we are in flight testing, we have two prototype vehicles, and uh, we, we're about to start scaling up um, our prototypes, uh, also from the six-seat prototypes that we have right now, uh, up to 19 seats uh, soon. And what type of aircraft are those you're using to test? Yeah, today uh, it's the uh, Piper uh, Matrix or Piper uh, uh, Malibu uh, aircraft. Um, uh, one is uh, uh, pressurized, one is non-pressurized. Uh, overall, we have three aircraft uh, like this, uh, so all identical uh, models. Uh, one we keep as a reference, and two uh, uh, are already electrified. Okay, and this is a very exciting you know, project and, and concept you all have been working on there. Um, and obviously, you know, last month, uh, this outbreak of the COVID-19 coronavirus kind of stopped the entire world and especially hit aviation really hard. Let me ask you, from an operational standpoint, what's been the biggest out, you know, impact of the outbreak? Um, have you all had to completely pause everything you're doing? Are you working through it? Are you working from home? Um, just all thoughts on all of the above. Yeah, it's... Uh... A little bit all of the above, actually, and um, uh, you know, we we're really learning how to uh, do things uh, remotely over video, and um, uh, some of the uh, aspects of this are actually uh, positive for 
um, you know, team collaboration across um, the continents that we have. Uh, we have, uh, you know, as I mentioned, uh, multiple locations uh, that uh, need to be quite well connected uh, from the uh, team collaboration perspective. And now we are uh, we we have a forcing function to to do even more of that. Um, we have uh, been able to maintain uh, the uh, uh, sort of utilization and the pace of the team uh, by focusing more of the effort now on things uh, like uh, design uh, work, uh, modeling, and um, um, uh, you know, work in the uh, uh, certification domain on the software and hardware uh, designs uh, rather than the pure hands-on. On the hands-on um, activities, we of course are affected uh, by um, uh, the lockdowns and the uh, travel restrictions. Um, uh, but uh, I think uh, the team is making uh, great progress, basically making up uh, time on the uh, on things that can be done remotely. And is that you know the the flight testing portion is that completely shut down considering you all were were operating out of of Cranfield? You mentioned. Yeah, pretty much, pretty much. Um, yeah, there's some uh, some limited uh, operation uh, on the ground uh, uh, that is still ongoing, but um, yeah, flight flight testing is uh, on pause for now. And let me ask you this: you know, based on the technology that you all are developing, again, very exciting uh, project and concept that you're looking to introduce to the industry through regional aviation initially. Taking a look at how this, you know, drastic drop in passenger demand for airlines has hit them economically. Uh, a lot of carriers in the Europe, Europe and the U.S. have grounded fleets. Um, they're still having to pay certain fees while there's those aircraft are even on the ground. But when they do operate those aircraft, you know, obviously jet fuel is a huge expense and, and kind of trying to be more efficient is something that all airlines, something that we've talked to airlines extensively about. What, what from your, you know, perspective could the introduction of this concept bring to airlines in the future? Could you lower the operating costs, for example, considering you're not, you know, using traditional jet fuel? Yeah, yeah, no, very good question. And this is a part of um, why we are so excited about um, uh, what we're doing, and we think that uh, this will be a very significant component uh, of aviation going forward, is that not only it's uh, uh, zero emission, or can be zero emission, but also uh, it has a significant uh, economic advantage. And the economic advantage is uh, split into two parts. Uh, one is the uh, on the fuel cost side. Um, our timeline puts us in commercial service at around uh, 2023, right? So about three years out. Uh, and by that time, we expect the uh, hydrogen fuel uh, in the way that we use it is going to be more than competitive with the jet fuel, especially for small operators or smaller operators like a regional local uh, airlines that uh, pay higher prices for their fuel than, uh, for instance, uh, you know, American Airlines or British Airways. So for them, we'll reduce the cost of fuel already. The second component is, which is also, uh, uh, it can be as big as the fuel cost uh, for a lot of operators is the engine maintenance costs. And here, um, just uh, uh, think about it, um, uh, you know, in terms of parallels with the um, 
uh, ground vehicles. And again, my previous company was in the working in the electric vehicle space. And um, uh, it was pretty obvious uh, from the very beginning, and now we have a lot of data behind it, that the maintenance costs of the electric powertrain uh, is probably uh, at around an order of magnitude lower than um, a typical internal combustion uh, powertrain. Um, and there's good reasons for it, less mechanical complexity, uh, lower temperatures, uh, lower material stress, uh, all of those things play nicely uh, to reduce the maintenance cost of the electrified powertrains. So we're going to have the fuel cost reduction, and then we're going to have dramatic maintenance cost reduction. And those two things um, combined for a lot of operators, uh, they are uh, amounting to almost half of the direct operating costs of their aircraft. Um, so we're able to uh, target that big chunk of the operating cost uh, uh, with this technology right away. So we think, you know, net-net, uh, and that's again what, what's really exciting, we could see the time when this small aircraft will become, with this technology, will become competitive with the larger aircraft that are used today for, you know, uh, uh, hub-to-hub transportation. And instead, we could do more point-to-point at the same uh, seat mile cost as a larger, let's say, Dash 8 uh, or, uh, uh, you know, 737 aircraft. Um, that goes from uh, places like San Francisco uh, Airport to Los Angeles Airport, both Class Bravo airports, uh, uh, large complex uh, systems with um, uh, a lot of uh, complexity uh, around them and travel delays and all, all of those things, security delays. Uh, and instead, we could utilize uh, smaller and smaller airports, more point-to-point bases without incurring the, the cost penalty. And, you know, about the uh, sort of zero emission side of this as well, um, it's interesting to, to learn earlier this year when Airbus did their annual, you know, conference, um, that was one of the main things their CEO said was, you know, lowering the, the amount of emissions from airplanes in the future is a big goal for Airbus. I wanted to know from your perspective, you know, considering this is a very exciting concept that you all are working on, have you gotten any interest from, you know, regional carriers or, or operators in this uh, technology? Are they, you know, kind of watching your development? Yeah, so um, a- absolutely. And uh, uh, we have uh, actually a pretty robust uh, pipeline. Um, uh, we're, we're already doing uh, quite a bit of business development and sales activities uh, with um, a number of operators. We have... Uh, uh, I think at this point it's about uh, 30 uh, operators in our pipeline um, and uh, several uh, LOIs uh, already signed. Um, so there's a very strong interest, um, and it's a combination typically of um, uh, you know, environmental uh, benefits and economic benefits, right? And that, those two things uh, really have to uh, come in together. Uh, because um, you know, from the environmental standpoint, everybody cares about it. But uh, you know, if if it's not economical, then you always going to have a niche product, basically, and that's not what we want to to have. Uh, we want to have the product um, and the uh, the business that scales itself. Uh, and the only way you you can do it is if you also deliver economic advantage. Uh, but we definitely see uh, a lot of uh, a lot of interest uh, in the uh, uh, environmental uh, impact of this, especially in Europe, and uh, especially uh, with 
in the environments uh, which have significant um, uh, government participation uh, in the uh, aviation industry, which again tends to be uh, uh, more um, sort of over-indexed in Europe as well. That was part of the reason why we also, uh, you know, uh, put um, uh, one of our uh, major locations uh, in Europe in the UK. I see. And last question before I let you go, Val, I have to ask. Moving forward, you know, you, you mentioned you all are, are mostly working remotely and using video chats and that type of thing. Um, how will that work continue for you, you know, and what does getting back to a sense of normalcy look like for you, you know, once you all are able to start flight testing again, will that be, you know, kind of a return to normalcy for you all? Or what, what in your mind will look like, okay, you know, we're finally kind of through this uh, pandemic? Yeah, I mean, pretty, pretty much the the travel restrictions and the uh, uh, you know, shelter in home uh, or shelter in place orders uh, is what what's uh, disrupting the hands-on activity. So once that's lifted, uh, we'll be in good shape. Um, we are, as an uh, you know R and D company uh, at this moment, um, we are quite uh, uh, independent of the uh, um, sort of potential revenue streams uh, from the industry, immediate uh, revenue streams uh, right now. Um, of course, we are going to be uh, dependent on those uh, uh, two, three years out, um, uh, leading to our commercial introduction of the product. Um, but uh, by that time. Uh, uh, I expect even the uh, longer-term impact uh, of this pandemic will be over. Okay, well, there you have it. He is the founder and CEO of Zero Avia. Val, thanks for coming on the podcast today. Thank you, Wooter. Really appreciate it. The third and final guest is a chief technical pilot for Southern Multifoods, Inc., This is a company that operates a string of more than 90 different fast food uh, restaurants throughout the state of Texas. And the chief pilot primarily flies executives from Southern Multifood Inc. to different locations. In this discussion, you'll learn what it's like to be a lead business aviation pilot whose operations have been grounded and what type of solutions can help such an operation move through this current period. Harvey, could you give our audience a little bit of introduction to yourself, your name, job title, uh, the organization that you work with, and your primary role with that organization? Uh, Yes, again, I'm Harvey Meharry. I'm the uh, flight department manager and chief pilot for uh, Southern Multifoods for a Taco Bell uh, franchise owner in Texas. Uh, We cover the whole uh, Fort Worth Tarrant County areas, East Texas, and then South Texas with our Taco Bell stores. Uh, We do have a few other branded stores in the KFC, Long John Silver's um, brands. I think we still have an A&W root beer. Anyway, we operate a Hawker 400 XP or a beach jet, and... uh, we, we do a lot of our own cleaning and uh, things like that, of that nature. 
And, you know, a very unique uh, sort of operation, and, and you, you answered my next question, which was going to be what type of aircraft you're flying. Um, let me ask you just just since the sort of outbreak of the uh, COVID-19 coronavirus has hit the U.S. travel industry, um, what's been the biggest overall impact on your organization, who obviously is kind of in a unique position, right? Because the type of goods you might be transporting could actually be, you know, needed in this time. Well, we uh, we only we don't carry uh, goods and products as well as uh, carry the uh, executives on flights, and then we go out to like Fort Worth, Texas, where we meet with the with the managers, area managers, and uh, things like that. They have they have a, a variety of those kind of folks that they they meet with. Uh, now it's it's all been pared down to uh, we haven't been driving or we haven't been flying since uh, the middle of uh, March. And uh, we have cleaned the airplane. We use a, uh, a micro band. It's a 24-hour, uh, kills 99.9% bacteria. And uh, it's considered a bathroom cleaner. We also <clears throat> come up with some other products called uh, – we got a real clean aircraft dealing products from real uh, realcleanproducts.com, I believe, and uh, they have some mic- microbial wipes and some spray that we use in the cabin of the airplane. We uh, we wipe the interior of the airplane down after each flight, and then we again go through it prior to the flight the next day. And uh, then we'll wipe it down again after we land somewhere. It just takes a few minutes. You get all the hard surfaces wiped off and and the air clean. And uh, you know, typically we know who we're flying and we know how they're taking care of themselves. Um, we operate the 400 XP. It's a Collins uh, equipped airplane. We're still Proline 4. We do have the WAS, or we do have the... Uh, the uh, ADSB out installed, and uh, anyway, we we just uh, just trying to be careful and and stay at home as much as possible. And then we, uh, of course, we get out and and to our stores. Our all of our stores are open. Drive through was open for the first little bit, but we now have opened up the uh, the walk-in counter. The dining room areas are still closed. So you can still go into the different uh, stores, at least our stores, and uh, what have you. And and let me ask you this: You mentioned you all are, you know, your 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 aircraft are currently parked, um, but you do look to sort of disinfect after the flights that you were performing. And, and you, you know, I'm guessing as this as the uh, coronavirus kind of uh, picked up steam and, and started to show up in the U.S you all, you know, grew a little bit more uh, active in that department. Let's talk about that a little bit. Um, Even considering the type of flying that that you're doing, uh, you don't necessarily have to worry about maybe travel history of, you know, passengers that you're not familiar with getting on the aircraft. Uh, But even so, you know, after we get back to some sort of normalcy, what do you think that process will look like um, assuring passengers that 
your cabin, you, you know, you can't catch this disease within your aircraft cabin? Well, the, the biggest thing, from what I understand of the, uh, uh, the coronavirus uh, 19 is, uh, is if you're in contact with somebody, you know, you try to do that six feet thing and all that, that's impossible in our airplane. I mean, you could have somebody sit in the lab and somebody sit in the other seat, and then the cockpit, you know, you're side by side with the other pilot. So that's kind of hard to do. So we haven't actually been using the oxygen masks in the airplane. Each pilot has his own headset, and uh, we we uh, we do thoroughly clean the airplane. Again, you know, if we have four or five people on board, they, they're going to sit in those areas. But, uh, you know, we're in East Texas. We don't have a lot of uh, coronavirus um, active things going on here. We do have a few cases here and there, but it's not like uh, in some of the big cities. And so, you know, I, I've i been over the Fort Worth area quite a bit. Uh, I drive over there. And uh, I've just, I, I'm, a, I'm the kind of guy that doesn't like to sit around, so... Um, I shop stores. I, I go to the store. I go through the drive-through. I order products. I pay for the products, and then I go in and talk to the uh, manager, whoever's on duty, and find out about uh, you know the lawn system, sprinklers, outside lights, just making sure everything's up to speed. And then I make a report and I I send it into the operations guy, and and we go from there. Um, you know, I might take two or three trips. A week just driving, just because I can't fly. <laughs> right. So you know, they're, they're they're still paying me, and I don't like to sit idle. So, um, I mean, it it's a necessary thing that we do. Also, check on stock and things like that. If the managers are getting low or something, I'll find a store that has a little excess and go run and pick it up and run it over to them or whatever. But you know, those are not pilot duties, and those are just helping the company continue to provide an essential service. And what types of things do you have, you know, you're not flying, but your aircraft are parked. Um, could you give the audience a little bit of sense of what that is like? I mean, did you have to, you know, obviously you, you have somewhere to, to store your aircraft, but uh, consider this is just like an indefinite amount of time where it's going to be down. Um, how are you still, you know, maintaining the airworthiness of that aircraft while it's on the ground? Well, what we do is uh, once once every two weeks, I have a, the maintenance crew come down. We have our own private hangar, and I have uh, two airplanes in there. One's kind of a personal airplane. It's a Warrior. The other one is the uh, the Hawker 400 XP. Um, we update the database. We you know bring in a ground power unit, update the bat database, things like that. Um, once every three weeks. We go out and fly the airplane for about 15 minutes, maybe 30 minutes, just depending on maintain currency by doing our three landings and uh, cycling all the systems, making sure everything's working as it should. And, uh, and you know, when they come down and do the periodic checking of the pressure in the tires and check the hydraulics and stuff with the maintenance, then they also, we have them go ahead and put on a little battery charger to end connect the battery and they they just top charge the battery however the maintenance guys do that and then we uh, were able to keep the airplane up to speed that way um so you know it is in a private hangar so you know we can keep 
biggest thing we have right now is pollen, and we get a lot of pollen in the air. So I've got those Swiffer type um, long handled uh, mops, and uh, I can I can wipe the pollen off fairly easily with that. And uh, and we use just a, like a hand spray and, and wipe down the airplane. Um, so we, we can keep the airplane clean, but you know, our biggest thing is making sure that we're not allowed to spread any coronavirus or anything like that. And uh, so, you know, I'm, I'm basically the chief pilot. The other pilot doesn't need to come out to the airport unless we're going to run around the patch or something. But um, anyway, so we just, we just work uh, the best we can, you know, to keep the airplane ready. You know, we're just, just in a, layback mode right now and uh and go from there right yeah it is it is a you know very interesting time and i have to ask you you know considering our kind of focus on our traditional podcast episodes do you feature any type of uh connectivity within that aircraft the hawker uh no we we have um we have the uh, thumb drive ability to update the collins avionics and uh, we you have to have a I think it's an eight eight mega megabit um, thumb drive. So I update two of those. Then I hook up the airplane to ground power and uh, turn on the battery and turn on the avionics. And then I can go in and and upload it. The airplane doesn't have any connectivity. However, we do have a uh, on the dash a uh, Garmin uh, GDL fifty two. And it has XM weather, and if you have some kind of a wireless Bluetooth headset, you can connect to it and listen to music or different radio channels on XM as well. Um, our our interest in it was mostly just for the weather that we can put on our iPad, and we can check the weather in any any airport that reports. So that's that's kind of nice, and uh, you know the. Uh, don't really have to do anything to that. We might refresh the signal when they go fly it or something like that. But the biggest thing is just uh, just making sure the airplane remains airworthy and systems get cycled and stuff like that every periodically. Right. And you know, b- before we let you go, um, you know, considering you are a pilot and obviously you're in you know a much different um, segment of aviation than the commercial airlines are, but when you look at what they are going through, just not being able to make any revenue, uh, not being able to fly, and the pilots at those airlines are trying to stay, you know, maintain their currency as well. How do you think they sort of move through that just from a pilot point of view? Like, what, what are the biggest challenges you think pilots are experiencing right now, just, just through this kind of fluid period we're in right now? Well, I think, I think, for the for the airline pilots, you know, many of them have been furloughed or what have you. I think uh, American cut back on some on some flights. I think uh, they had over a hundred. I think I listened to the radio yesterday and I said over a hundred flight attendants has contracted the coronavirus. So that that puts them at a little bit, you know. And Southwest was cutting back flights. So there's that ability to. Uh, um, keep the flights in the air. Now, for the airlines, they do own their own simulators and stuff like that. I don't know if they have some kind of a rotation where they bring the guys in and, you know, do 
do takeoffs and landings, maybe some approaches or something to maintain currency. I don't know. Uh, a few flight departments that I know are kind of doing what I do. Uh, however, here at this little airport in East Texas, there's still uh, a couple of guys are still giving flight instructions in a small airplane, and, and another guy is still giving check rides. Uh, he's a, a designated check airman, and they're still doing some flights. Uh, I do understand that if you're flying into Texas from another state, that uh, the sheriff or somebody might meet the plane and and uh, you get the choice of getting gas and going home or uh, or you know staying in the hotel for 14 days until you're cleared <laughs> so they have that they have that here in texas but for the pilots i think most of the guys uh small planes around here still fly a little bit um those are all the you know the private pilot kind of guys you know the weather's nice You'll see a whole bunch of airplanes in the pattern. Um, not too much corporate activity where I'm at. Uh, Tyler Airport, there's more corporate activity. I believe they're doing kind of the same thing. They're, uh, you know, their their guys may come into the hangar and they'll take the airplane and go out, cycle the gear and stuff like that, to make sure everything's working. And that's that's my understanding of the few flight departments in the Tyler and in the Metroplex area that. And, uh, that I've done business with, but I know. I see. Okay. Well, that that is good to know. That is good news to know. You know, see, people are still able to fly and, and maintain currency. So, uh, you know, hopefully that will help everybody get through this kind of fluid period and, and to the other side. So, uh, wanted to say thanks again, Harvey, for coming on the podcast today. Yeah. Thanks for uh, thanks for inviting me. I appreciate that. Uh, Appreciate your magazine and everything else, uh, Woodrow. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Global Connected Aircraft Podcast. We'll be releasing our fourth and final episode in this series next week, talking to professionals who supply, support, and operate connectivity about the coronavirus outbreak and how it has impacted their business. So please tune in next week for another look at the global aviation landscape. My name is Woodrow Bellamy III, and thanks again for listening.